grandmother lost her battle with breast cancer about 20 years ago. And when my mom was diagnosed, I think my sister and I were just like stunned, but she was a fighter and uh, she fought it and she's, you know, in remission and doing well. So I, I seriously think her positive attitude, hardworking ethic has really rubbed off on myself and my sister. And my sister, she um, is stage four metastatic breast cancer. And again, she's a fighter. She's fighting. She's strong in her faith. I have just every confidence in her that she's going to beat this. And they just inspire me just thinking about what they face every day and how strong they are. Hello, podcast world. Welcome to episode 43 of Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. Brandy Dawson was a talented high school and Division I college runner that never fully hit her stride because of injuries and putting too much pressure on herself. After raising four kids, her marathon running grandfather, a.k.a. Papa, suggested she sign up for a local 5K. Brandy knew she couldn't let down her biggest running fan, signed up, and decided to jump in with zero expectations. She ran freely with no goals or pressure, won the race, and felt energized to begin running again. Having their grown children back home during the pandemic was a blessing. They played board games, reconnected, and Brandy's training thrived. She started a 100-day running streak, patiently built her base, and got comfortable with 70 miles per week. As her fitness kept building, she set a big goal to take on her first 50K at the Get Lucky 50-50 event on March 20th. Brandy ran a stellar 355-31, 734 per mile pace for 31.1 miles and won the women's race, and also recorded the fourth fastest 50K in the United States recorded as of that day. Truly awesome stuff, Brandy. We discussed youth sports, high school, college running, mentors, role models, drive, mindset, and mantras. Brandy was raised by a strong mom who has battled cancer and inspires her every day. She's also deeply moved by her sister's fight with stage four metastatic breast cancer and her niece, who shows strength and faith daily living with Asperger's syndrome. Brandy's a special aid teacher by day and always encourages her students to practice, be consistent, and never give up. I see big things coming for her as she continues to get faster as a master. We're both qualified to run in the London Marathon Wanda Abbott World Age Group Championships, and I'm stoked to see her lace them up against the very best. Hope you all enjoy this convo as much as we did. So let's dive on in and take a listen. Good afternoon, Brandy Dawson. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing today? Hi, Ron. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, we're looking forward to this conversation, man. We, um, we've never actually had the chance to meet in person, but we've been in a bunch of different running groups. And I know you've been doing some like totally uh, badass things, <laughs> recently running some crazy 50K fourth ranked time in the US of A. Um, but we're going to do our standard run chats intro where I basically just kind of ask you to tell everybody a little bit about 
Um, first off, like what's the weather back at home right now? How's it, how is it out by you? It's been pretty hot and humid here in Ohio. So we're having similar weather to what you're having there in New York City. So um, I think the temperature is going to be dropping, though. And um, I don't know, hopefully it'll kind of we'll have some sort of a spring because we kind of went from winter right to summer, like 40s to 90s. So <laughs> we we certainly did. And I'm not sure I know anybody that had a spring season of any of my running friends that are sprinkled around, um, including ones that are in other countries. I think everyone went through the same thing that we did, where it just went from this. We were cold. We we were cold. And then all of a sudden, one day, somebody turned the furnace on and it's like, we're all like sweating to death and dying. <laughs> I just got back from like a 50 mile bike ride and I'm like dead, oh, <laughs> like sweating my head off. And, Ugh. you know, I got to get, you know, what I need to get is some, you know, we have the great ventilated running clothing and the great super lightweight layers that are great for moisture wicking. And cycling has all that stuff too. I just don't have the really super good technical stuff yet. So time to spend some more cash. Yeah, you might need <laughs> it this summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully I will be getting back on the roads with you and the trail soon running too, and I could split it up a little more and then, awesome. th- then I could break out the running clothes. So so Westlake, Ohio is where you're at. Where is that near? Because I don't really know where Westlake is. Um, it's on the western suburb of Cleveland. Oh. So we're right along Lake Erie um, on the west side of the city. So we don't get a lot of the snow in the winter. We're not in the snow belt, but um, our weather pretty much just mimics the, you know, Northeast Ohio snow, winter snow and ice. So it's not too bad. Got it. So who are your teams? Are you you got to be a big Browns fan, I'm sure. Um, no, my family, they're big Browns fans, my son and husband. So I like New England Patriots. Uh Oh, that's, <laughs> that's got to cause some serious issues at the dinner table. Uh, but I am a big Indians fan, Cleveland Indians. Okay. So all right. Like so you follow them. All right. So you're rooting for them, but causing issues, rooting for the Pats. <laughs> and after Brady left, did you give thought to like dumping them at that point? Or you're just like, no, you're, you're all no, in forever. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Okay. I don't know. My heart is in New England, so. <laughs> All right, that's okay. We're good with that. Yeah. So tell the the Run Chats audience a little about what life was like growing up, when you got into sports, all that kind of good stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. So I've been in Ohio my whole life. I grew up um, in the Youngstown, Ohio area. And actually, Bernie Kosar, a former Browns player, went to the high school that I graduated from. Um, so I was in the Youngstown area my whole life. And it's about an hour and a half um, southeast from here. So um, it's not too far because I am a homebody. I never want, wanted to go too far from home. I even went to college in Ohio, um, in Northwest Ohio, University of Toledo. So um, pretty much stayed in Ohio my whole life. But growing up, um, my mother, single mother, very strong woman. She raised my sister and myself. Um, cause my father wasn't a big part of our lives. They were divorced when I was very young. So, um, it was so great to have her though. Hard worker. She would always work multiple jobs to make sure we had everything that we needed. Um, and we were very close with my grandparents growing up. So I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, um, as a young child. So, and my grandfather, he actually, I would say initially got me into running because he was an avid runner and a marathoner. He never really talked too much about it. Um, But as I got older, 
you know, he would share more stories of his running and different races that he, you know, did. And he would give me little tips on, you know, how to stay warm in winter running and what to do for nutrition. And this was years ago. So um, he's always been someone I looked up to as a, as a child. So, and in sports, my mom always made sure we were involved um, in activities with school and athletics in the area. So my sister and I both were in a bowling league when we were young. So that was like popular, you know, in the eighties and, you know, years ago in that area, in the Youngstown area. So we would go bowling on Saturday mornings. That was our thing. Um, and it was just, it was fun. I don't think it was something that I was like all gung ho about, but it, I enjoyed it. Um, and then I don't know what, like, I was always a sports fan as far as watching it on TV and going to professional um, sports games, like baseball games. Um, and I got into softball. So as a young child, I got into softball and somehow was thrown into the pitching position. So it was underhand slow pitch. Um, so I did that for many years leading up to high school, pretty much. Um, and then I think I, you know, just, wanted to focus on studies in high school and see what the high school had to offer as far as different sports and activities. So um, I don't know, basically softball was something fun and I, I felt like I excelled at it. I did make the all-star team um, every year I played and I did break my collarbone uh, running for a ball, like going to the first it was towards the first baseman and she was actually going for the same ball. So we collided and I was knocked out. So don't remember much from that, from that time on. So I know I had to sleep sitting up in a chair with like a brace on cause I couldn't lay back. It was, it was painful. So as far as like injuries with a sport, that was probably the worst. So strong mom influence, um, grandparents very involved, um, mirror image of, of my own upbringing. Um, my dad is no longer with us, but, um, he was lived, always lived close to us and we could work. He had a gas station and a pizzeria, like across the street from each other. So my mom always wanted us to be around him that way. We were working from the time we were eight years old. We had paper routes and you know, um, you know, unloaded groceries at this supermarket, just little things, but ways just to make money because money was very tight. Just like you're describing, my mom was always working more than one job, um, doing like bookkeeping and stuff on the weekends and, but, uh, very tough, very strong. Uh, and, um, yeah, my grandmother was like our second, that was our second home. Cause we actually lived across the street from her, um, once we were in like our middle school year. So it was a great, a nice break for my mom that someone else would be cooking the meals and other things like that, because uh, she was just in an exhausted state a lot and no idea how she did it at all with three boys a year and a half apart, wow. you know, beating the living hell out of each other, running around like <laughs> wild Indians, man. We were maniacs. I mean, but at the same time, uh, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. So, and the bowling thing really cracked me up because my oh, dad, <laughs> no, my dad was like, and my dad's dad was like bold, like six, three hundreds, like who bowls oh, wow. six, three hundreds. That's like, you know, that's like saying somebody has six hole in ones in golf or something no like kidding. that. So not that's my dad, crazy. my dad's dad. I don't think my dad okay. ever had a 300, but my dad also loved bowling. And one of the things we actually had a bowling alley that was very close to where his 
gas station and pizzeria were. And what he would do just so that we could spend a little time, my brothers love cars. I love cars too, but I didn't love them the way they did. And he used to get me a little rattled. Like if the customer wanted me to check their oil <laughs> and I couldn't figure out how to pop the hood, I'd be like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing here. I better get out of here. So I wasn't like all about it. And my brothers were all like really good. You know, they're like doing all awesome. kinds of mechanical yeah. stuff, making me look bad. So my dad's <laughs> like, yeah, hey, you do the pizzeria thing. So I go in and like take all the chairs down off the tables and turn the oven on. And he always let me make the first pizza. It was just really fun. And I enjoyed that. But then he would say to us, like, go to the bowling alley. He'd call them on the phone and say, my kids are coming to the front desk, give him a sheet and give him two lanes because he was always bowling in league. So he was used to that. So you could just bowl one guy, one, one, one of us would be on this lane, one on that lane, we just go back and forth. And we'd just like bowl for like three or four hours. Then he'd come at the end. And so that, that just cracked me up when you said that. So love it, man. Saturday morning leagues for you. Good for, good for you. Oh Yeah. It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. And your your teammate that you crashed you uh, crashed into or she crashed into you, are you guys still buddies today or, or how, how did that go down? Well, when I started high school, um, we pretty much in gym class had to run like around the parking lot, just loops around the parking lot. And I was like, oh, great. This is fun. You know, not. So um, we would run around the parking lot in our gym teacher pulled us aside. Her name was Denise Gorski or is Denise Gorski. She pulled me aside and say, Hey, did you ever think about running cross country? And I'm thinking, what is cross country? I'm thinking in my head, I don't know what you're talking about. And I said, um, no, I don't really think so. She goes, well, you really have good pacing and your endurance. You could, you know, run loops and loops and loops. And I just kept running. I'm like, well, we had to, you didn't tell us to stop. So, um, she taught, this word cross country was foreign to me. So I had no idea what she was talking about and just kind of shook it off. Um, and then she must have conned one of the seniors at the high school into talking to me because it was maybe, you know, a day or two later, I was approached by Lori Gomez at the time, um, who turned out to be a superstar runner, Olympic trial qualifier, um, she ran for NC state and now is a coach there. And I think she was even named coach of the year for cross country. I mean, phenomenal. So she approached me at the time who held state records and, and everything. And I didn't know much about running at all. So I'm this little scrawny freshman. And she said, Hey, why don't you run, you know, track? Cause she didn't bring up the whole cross country. And I'm like, okay, that sounds fun. I'll try it. So I did, it was probably in the winter and they were starting conditioning for their track season. So I'm like, oh, I'll try and go. I talked to my mom and she brought me to the, the local second sole store to make sure I had shoes because we had no idea. I just asked, what do I need to bring? They said, just have some good, you know, tennis shoes. So I'm like, okay. So of course my mom, you know, made sure I had the best, what I needed. So we get ASICs at the second sole, sole running store and I started track my freshman year and ended up liking it a lot. Um, I was on a relay team, the four by 800 relay. There were three seniors and myself and we made it to the state meet and I was the first leg of the relay and I would freak out in the big stage. So we're at Ohio State, the Ohio State University in the Horseshoe Stadium filled with spectators. I mean... It was crowds everywhere, loud speakers, and I went underneath the tunnel, threw up before I started the relay. 
So I felt like I let down the seniors because I was just so, I didn't know how to handle that pressure. It just felt like so much pressure because I wanted to make sure, you know, I did well for them. So uh, I don't think I did what I should have done for the team, but I can't dwell on the past. And it was a great learning experience. And um, I think we ended up finishing, you know, probably seventh place and we were slated to be in the top three, but um, I mean, it was a great year. So that was my freshman year in track and I stuck with it and did start cross country um, my sophomore year after I learned a little bit more about it and made it to state um, for Ohio uh, my sophomore year. Um, And again, in the big stage, I was ranked in the top 10 in the state going in and just fumbled um, when it came time for the state meet. But again, a great learning experience Um, throughout high school, though, running. I made it to state every year in track, but cross country, I would seem to get injured repeatedly. I had um, stress fractures in my navicular bone. Um, We've seen, you know, we saw so many orthopedic doctors and it was just too much pounding on my body. And I don't know, I did a lot of like water training throughout. My coach, Denise Gorski, made sure that I stayed in conditions. So she would bring me to the YMCA and we'd go deep water running in the pool and I hated it. But I know it helped keep me in condition because I couldn't do the pounding on the pavement. Um, so it did keep me in condition enough so I can still, you know, compete in the bigger meets when needed or conference meets and whatnot. Um, so again, I mean, high school running, it was great. It was fun, super experience. I was surrounded by phenomenal athletes, um, at the high school and my coach, Denise Gorski made sure that I was noticed, especially the critical junior year in high school when scouts are out kind of looking to see for, you know, scholarships at different colleges and, you know, the mail kept coming in and a lot of different visits were set up to schools. And she even made it at a point to take me if my mom wasn't able to take me, if she was working, she took me on a couple of college visits. Um, I know my grandfather was really involved in that as well, just to make sure I can get a scholarship somewhere and earn that. Um, So those were some fun years, my junior and senior year in high school. And I decided to stay somewhat close to home. Toledo was three hours from home. So it was still doable to like make it home for a weekend um, to spend time with my mom, my family. So again, in in college, the same injuries kind of plagued me time and time again. And I never kind of really found my groove with with running competitively. I mean, I always enjoyed it just kind of at my own my own pace, my own time. But following that, you know, grilling routine, we had two a days in, in college running. And I mean, we were up close to 100 miles a week. I mean, it was it was pretty strenuous for my body. And you know, being a scrawny little thing, I guess I couldn't take it. So um, it was just something that I always loved and enjoyed. And I was so glad to be able to experience running at the collegiate level for a division one school and um, met a lot of great friends that I still keep in contact with and um, just to have. So you gave us a lot right there. So getting a chance to run at uh, at the Big Horseshoe is amazing. Uh, getting a chance to run there as a freshman 
Um, yeah, I can imagine a lot of <laughs> a lot of kids as a freshman would be throwing up underneath the stands. It's 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 huge. It's a lot of pressure, and yeah. it's a big deal. And you're running with three other seniors on your team, so it's not like you're running with three other freshmen, and you're all in the same spot. So understandable. Um, and injuries, I I think for all the people that come through and that are on my show. Um, whether they're elite college athletes who become pro athletes and are, stay at the top level of whatever event they choose. You know, where I had a steeplechase runner on the other day. He's had two Achilles surgeries. He had a broken navicular bone um, and he can't land on the foot, whereas Achilles has had the two surgeries. He ran an Olympic trials qualifier in his first race. He hasn't run in 1,061 days in a race and he ran an Olympic trials qualifier in his first steeplechase race. And as he was talking through the mechanics of it with me, he's like, I have to land on the top of the water jump on the foot that's had the surgery so that I will land on the opposite foot at the bottom of the water pit because that right foot could not handle it. So man, injuries are a part of it. And I think, you know, a common thread a lot of times can be nutrition or you know, missing certain elements of nutrition or, you know, some obviously athletes have eating disorder issues and they're battling through some of that. But a lot of times it's just going up from being a high school runner where maybe you were running 30 miles a week or maybe 40 miles a week. And now you're running hundred miles a week. That doesn't work. Okay. And it won't work. So if somebody starts to work with you at the end of your high school and tries to build you up before you show up for cross country in the fall at Toledo or whatever school you're at, Stanford, it doesn't matter. You know, I went to James Madison, it doesn't matter what school you go to, but you can't build up. Every runner knows this. You know it now. Anyone, whether they're a coach or they're certified to be a coach or they've just been running a lifetime like me, if you're increasing your mileage more than 20% in a week, or increasing your long run more than 20% at any point when you don't have experience. And this is like untested areas, like your longest runs 10 miles and now you're going to start running 20. No, you know, the most mileage you've ever done is 30. I'm going to run 60. No, like the answer is no, it's just no. And if you make it through that minefield and you don't get injured, it's a lot more luck than anything else. Exactly. Um, and I, I think I learned a lot though, growing sure. up and, and seeing that. So now I'm able and we'll get into that, but able to have more consistency and not just jump into something that like uncharted territories. But um, yeah, I mean, those were great years and I wouldn't trade them for anything. They really were fantastic experiences. And I've grown a lot, you know, just mentally and not putting pressure on myself and just having fun with it, with something that I love to do. Um, instead of feeling like I have to be on the top all the time. So I, I, I've learned so much. And as far as the mental aspect of, of running and the physical training part of, of running. So, well, I think it's pretty profound. You said you've learned it. Maybe you wouldn't have learned it if you hadn't exactly. been, you hadn't been put in those positions. And, you know, this is not being judgmental of anybody's coach anywhere for any runner who's ever been on my show. Like they have a job to do. And in their mind, their job is particularly at a division one school, like I went to, or you went to, their job is to get you into the NCAA tournament, to get you down the road as far as you can, to qualify for NCAAs, whatever it is, that's their job. Their job isn't to be sitting there thinking about each kid individually and going, okay, now we've seen more focus on that now. And I think it's wonderful. Whereas more focus on, you know, coaches worrying about 
kids feeling like they have to make a weight. You know, I was just talking to my son about it just uh, a little while ago when I was just got back from the bike ride. You know, we had we get our little min windows of time where we talk, and I just said, you know, nutrition and weight. When I played college baseball, I can tell you for sure that there was not one college scholarship athlete I played with that wasn't getting weighed in once a week. Okay. I'm a baseball player. I weighed 152 pounds. Like I'm not going to gain any weight because I'm lifting <laughs> weights. And I didn't, I didn't gain a single pound, but I lifted all the weights they told me to lift, but I'm not taking like HGH or steroids. I'm, you know, I, what was I going to, what was I going to do? Grow, you know, gain 10 pounds. I wasn't going to grow and get taller, but the weight on the other side, the gymnastics team, the swimming team, all these other teams is like, no, you should be this weight, Brandy, or you should be this weight, Ron. If you want to really be competitive in that meet, you probably should be 140 instead of 150. And let's see about working that. And I wrestled in high school and I was captain. So I know all about making weight. Oh, and, wow. I, and I weighed 100. Yeah, luckily, I, yeah. yeah, luckily that's not been a problem for me growing up. It was always, how can I put on more weight? Um, I was always low in iron. I know that was an issue through high school and that could have been part of my injury woes um, and also going into college. So we figured that out with the iron. At least I had more energy um, once we got to the bottom of that. But I was always trying to put on more weight and I really always have tried to eat whatever, um, whatever I could, whenever I could. So good. it's just... Eh. <laughs> have, you, have you ever done a deep dive on your blood work? I actually, um, in the past, I'd say five to 10 years, I had an issue because I was really run down and exhausted. I'm like, oh, maybe I'm low in iron again. So my doc doctor ordered some blood work and they found I had low platelets. Okay. Um, and they said some people are consistently low, but since that was the first time that they were low, comparing it to like more recent blood work that they were concerned about it. So I had to see, um, uh, oncologist hematologist just to be sure they kept an eye on those numbers. Um, and I recently within the past month went for a checkup and my platelets were actually in the normal range for the first consecutive time, like checkups. Cause I was going every six months and then he said, okay, I don't need to see you um, until next year. So it was yearly checkups. And now I don't have to go back unless there's a concern where, you know, I'm bruising strange or feel run down again. But yeah, so I don't know what the platelets, what the issue was, but they seem to be kind of bounced back to the normal range now. Good. So good. I, the reason I mentioned deep dive is, um, I've never had a sponsor on the show, but I have a couple of brands that I'm pretty tight with, like Coros with watches, obviously. Um, I'm pretty involved with Inside Trackers, and um, they just do remarkably deep dives on oh, everything. I mean, all your blood work, but also magnesium, potassium, iron, all of these things. But not only what the ranges are supposed to be, Brandy, but way more importantly, they're going to give you like really digestible information back. They're going to say, if you eat this amount of spinach you know, X number of times per week, or if you have bean, more beans and, you know, dietary specific things, not just about supplementing with vitamins. And they will suggest certain vitamins as well, particularly a lot. Women tend to have more issues with being lower in iron than men do, you know, whether it's menstruation or childbearing or whatever, you know, the actual specifics are, but they do. And it can absolutely affect your energy and give lead to potentially, you know, stress fractures and other things that could come up, particularly when you're running a lot of mileage. So I, um, 
you know, I recommend them highly to any of my friends because I just like everything else, like Morton, I have codes for all this stuff. And, you know, it could, it would be good for you to know what your baseline of all of your stuff is. Cause trust me, even, even a top cardiologist or a really good sports medical doctor, he's not going to order a lot of the things that they have in their panel. He's just not, or she, depending on if you have a male or a female doctor. So just something to think about for yourself because you're, you're like really starting to develop and have a real opportunity here based off what you ran in that 50 like you could do some serious work at the marathon and maybe ultras where your real, you know, gift could be where your best chance for, you know, the best version of Brandy is. Um, but for that nutrition is even more important and knowing what your body needs. And I'm not talking about diet, like what you eat is what you eat. I mean, just knowing, knowing your baseline and then for you figure it out. Like, how do you cook? How do you like to eat? Whatever. That's all important. But me, I exist on milk duds and gluten-free pizza. Oh, so I'm the wrong guy to ask him the nutrition <laughs> advice, man. You know, oh. you don't want to get any advice from me. Cheetos, <laughs> gluten-free pizza, milk duds, you know, sour gummies. Yeah. It's not pretty. It's not pretty at all, Brandy. So, um, let's see, let's go back. Um, we talked about high school. We talked about college. Who would you say in the high school, college years, who are like important influences for you? Um, maybe not even about running, just people who had a, a, a positive impact on you in your life and people that you still think about today. I mean, I will have to go back to my mother, honestly. Um, she's such a strong woman. Number one. Um, she's, battled breast cancer. She's a survivor. My grandmother lost her battle with breast cancer about 20 years ago. Um, and when my mom was diagnosed, I think my sister and I were just like stunned, but she was a fighter and, uh, she fought it and she's, you know, in remission and doing well. Um, so I, I seriously think her positive attitude, hardworking ethic has really rubbed off on myself and my sister and my sister, she fights every day. She, um, is stage four metastatic breast cancer. And again, she's a fighter. She's fighting. She's strong in her faith. Um, I have just every confidence in her that she's going to beat this. And she, she, like I said, every day she's fighting it. Uh, and my niece, Aubrey, that's my, my sister's oldest. Um, she's has Asperger's syndrome and my sister had made sure, you know, she works hard. She's independent. She has her own apartment. She's had a job. I just look up to her so much. My, my young niece, she's awesome. She's actually getting married in a year. So she's engaged. So that's exciting news. Um, but they're, they just inspire me just thinking about what they face every day and, how strong they are. So they've always been just real pillars, um, of strength in, in my life. So I, I really look up to them. That's wonderful. Um, we need strong influences like that in our life. We all do. Um, and sometimes it is just one person, but, um, when that influence is that strong, like it is from your mom and it is with my mom, it extends to the whole family tree. It isn't just you and your sister. It goes, it goes to everybody. It goes to your nieces and your nephews. And, um, I just know that's the kind of influence my mom had in all of us. And, you know, we're just lucky. We're lucky we have her with us, you know, that she's going to be 89, September 4th. And oh, she's wow. had, had lymphoma for 30 years and, you know, multiple cancers before that. She got COVID during COVID. 
Um, their whole household had it. My younger brother, my sister-in-law, oh, wow. my niece, they all had it. She had the highest pulse oxygen out of all of them. So my mom's, of course. My mom's yep. a badass, man. She's a baller. You can't That's mess awesome. with her, man. She's just like, oh. no way COVID's taking her out. So that was, um, that was super cool, but awesome. And hopefully your sister and your mom both come through on the other side and they're, uh, oh, yeah. they're both going to like be. Like I said, they're fighters for sure. <laughs> good. Well, you need that. Um, yes. and obviously it's, um, rubbed off on you, um, to come back from injuries and bounce back and you didn't come out of running, let's say from high school or college. And I don't want to just like make this assumptive statement, but I definitely get the feeling like when you left college and you left your running in college, that really was probably the last thing on your mind. Like, Hey, I'm not going to keep doing this. This isn't for me. You know, you have injuries, you're going through all this stuff and it's like, you know, like, you know, it's not very different for somebody like me, you know, or maybe a kid who plays lacrosse or soccer, you know, if you don't get drafted to play a pro sport, you know, that's usually the end, you know, running's one of the few things, or I shouldn't say that if you play tennis or golf, there's certainly sports, but not field hockey. I mean, you know, like maybe there's leagues and stuff, but there's just a lot of sports where if we don't make it, well, you can do a master swimming and then maybe become a triathlete, but there isn't any like real necessarily path forward. So was that true? Would you say like I when you felt, left? Yeah, I felt as though after college, like I sort of closed the book on whole running. I didn't think about it much at all. And um, I don't know. I just, it really didn't even cross my mind after those years. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's, I closed that chapter of my life and that's it. Um, but I think it was my grandfather who said, hey, Brandy, and this was after college. Um, we're doing this 5k in the town outside of Youngstown that they lived in Poland, Ohio. Um, it was like a 4th of July firecracker run. It was like a 5k. He goes, would you want to do it? I'll sign you up. So I'm like, Oh, grandpa. Okay. I couldn't say no. It's my grandpa. So I did the, you know, firecracker 5K and it was fun. I think I probably won my age group. Or I don't even remember at this point, but it was fun. I felt great to get out there and I had not ran a step in literally years. I mean, it was probably a good couple of years. Um, so I'm like, oh, that kind of felt good. That was nice. And just a little excitement of, and it was a small road race. The, the excitement was kind of like, oh, okay, that kind of gave me a renewed sense of running and, hey, I can do this on the flip side and have it be fun instead of all the pressure I always put on myself to, you know, make sure you finish in the top, make sure you're, you know, finishing strong. And it just, to me, when I look back at it, maybe it wasn't as fun as it should have been. In my high school, I put too much pressure on myself. Um, to always be the best and be at the top. So I think just kind of, I had a different sense for what running was and how it can be fun. And I enjoyed it. So I think I just signed up for another one on my own, like another little 5k. So and gran grandpa didn't hook you into the second one. I, grandpa <laughs> did. No, he didn't. He <laughs> didn't. But of course he wanted to hear all about what I was doing next, what I was doing next. And, um, always was there to listen and, and get excited for me. Cause I think he can see that I was having fun with it. Um, so yeah, you know how it goes. It's addicting. You sign up for one road race and you see another catches your eye. So then I think I was out searching and noticing 
more and more about, you know, the running community and just different events around the area. So I didn't do anything outside, you know, crazy outside the area, just little 5Ks and had fun with them. We you raised some really important points in there. And it, again, it doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. So yeah, this show is primarily about running, but it's really about life. I mean, if people haven't figured that part out yet, I'll just give them the newsflash. It's really about life because anything we do as runners, it all translates into how we are in the business world, how we are as a spouse or a business partner, a brother, a sister. It just everything we do and all of our habits, or all of that that we bring to the table in running and that discipline and, you know, just being strong-minded and just refusing to quit or fail when we hit a tough spot or we get injured or whatever it is, like that makes us so much better at every other aspect of our life. But when you're not having fun and you're putting too much pressure on yourself, whether it's at the high school age or the college age or as a full-grown adult, you this is, is a problem that exists for people my age at 60. This is not something that's only when you're in high school or college and you're maybe not fully mature enough to really grasp, hey, I should be out here having fun. I'm running in Ohio State in the big horseshoe, man. I'm going to be like, what's up, people? Like, I'm going to give people the peace sign when I'm rolling around. Well, yeah, if I could go back now and do something when I was 60, maybe I would. But oh, yeah. you better believe I probably would have been puking my guts up if that's what I was doing too. Um, so we all have to learn these things like over time. But now you're taking on running in a totally different viewpoint. You know, your grandfather asks you, like I say, you can't say no to him, man. He's like the captain, man. You got to make him happy. You know, grandpa says, sign up for this race. I'm in. And (laughs) then you find out he's going to be your number one fan. And that's a, a whole different element because we all need somebody you know, whether it's our husband, a wife, a brother, a, a running friend, um, somebody that's part of a group, it could be a Facebook running, but you just need somebody that's your champion. Brandy, they're watching what Brandy's doing in the run. They're watching what kind of workout she's doing. They're watching what kind of time she's running and they're just in your corner and it raises your level of confidence and it raises your level of enjoyment. And also more importantly, you want to give that back and share. A good human should always want to give that back and share. So when people are doing that for you like your grandfather, I'm going to be like, hey, man, what can I what can I do for my grandfather so he knows how much I appreciate the support that he gives me, okay? And if, if I'm already doing all that anyway, well, then I'm going to make sure I look for another running friend and realize like, wow, he got me back into this and now I'm starting to smile and I'm enjoying this. So I got to make sure I help somebody else who maybe had an experience like I did in high school or college. And I, I help kind of bring them back in, you know, come on in the water's warm, you know, come back to running, man. I got you. Yeah. So it's been, it's been great. And that has taught me to like my husband and I make sure, made sure growing up our kids have always been involved in sports and had fun with it. So I know, um, my daughters all ran for, you know, a time. In fact, one of my daughters, Paige ran her first half marathon, in 2019, um, down in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. So it was so exciting. Like I was thrilled and she was smiling on the course and she ran in just two hours and that was her first half marathon and she barely trained for it. Yeah. And she had a blast and it was, I think it was more exciting for me to watch her, um, do that. So hopefully, you know, she'll be at it again, you know, with COVID, it was kind of hard with, getting involved and she's in graduate school right now. So hopefully in the future, I'd love to run one with her. Um, so it was great, but 
they've been in soccer. Soccer has been huge in our family. My husband played soccer in high school. So I know he enjoyed, you know, coaching the kids in soccer and they had fun with it, loved it um, all through high school. And my son plays ice hockey. So he has fun with it. He enjoys it. So why not? I did kind of push a little for him to run cross country and track. He did for a couple of years and he's not into it. So it's like, it's not my thing, mom. Okay, that's fine. Um, so ice hockey, it is. It's fine. So, but it's important to just be involved in, in what you love and what you're having fun with. So, um, be a part of a team and yeah. Absolutely. Well, team sports are great and exposure to different sports is also wonderful. So, you know, your, your um, husband coaching in soccer is great, but yeah, they may find out that that's not for me. I mean, I coached my son in baseball, um, and all of us travel baseball and it was just like amazing, but it's, it's harder on your kid than it is on you because you know, like I had to be over the line to make sure I wasn't giving him any special treatment. Exactly. And he was our best yeah. pitcher and one of our best hitters. And so I always had to think like if I would, if he wasn't my son, he would have been batting third or fourth in the lineup and he would have been pitching every single important game. But I got to worry about all these other parents that I'm dealing with. And I don't mean that in a negative way, it's just a fact. Yeah. You're the coach and you know all the other parents. And I would try my best to make sure that the kids who really struggled and really didn't have any talent at all, and maybe didn't even want to be there, I just want to make sure they had fun. <laughs> I mean, I want to win badly, man. I'm as oh, competitive yeah. <laughs> as they come. But at the same time, I also wanted to make sure that those kids were engaged and not, you know, like, la, 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 like, let's let's do this. But And the running thing, too, like you said, man, Ronnie, um, he ended up being captain of his cross-country team. He didn't run oh. at all until high school. And his mom wow. was a 253 marathoner. That's how I met her. I coached her. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She was, she was a stud. I coached her and, um, <laughs> we used to do workouts together and it was great because I could run my marathon pace was like her half marathon PR. So wow. I could do some great work where I could go jump in and do 10 miles of a half marathon with her. Cause I mean, pacing is, it's so annoying that pace, pacing is illegal. What a joke. I mean, all these hardcore races, Kipchoge has pacers, the women, elite women have pacers. Like why can't a husband or a wife run with their husband or vice? It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're not, it really you still is. have to yeah. run, you know, <laughs> now be one thing. If your husband was like elbowing the other women <laughs> around you that I could say, okay, this that dude's elbowing people. <laughs> Romano tripped somebody. So his wife could win. Then you could take me off the course and say, but come on, man, we're just running, you know? And it's like, people are complaining. Oh, well he ran with her. Oh, good God, man. She'll Damn smoke me. you. Yeah. She'll smoke you. If I'm not even on the course. Good. Lord, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, but he didn't, he, um, he was really good and he's just like, eh, I'm done. I'm not going to run in college. I'm a double major. I'll be too busy. And he hasn't gotten back. I mean, he still runs like for fun and him and his girlfriend go on these like crazy long mountain hikes, you know, four, six, eight hour hikes. And they love that, which is great. But I'm just dying for him to get back into running because, and I'm 60. I mean, I want to be doing this till I'm gone. Like when I'm gone, I want it to be like my last day. If it's in a race, that's a happy day for me. But Aww. I would dream yeah. of running Boston or New York with him. And but he can't wait too long. I mean, he's got <laughs> he's got to pull it together here, you know. 
And your daughter, I mean, you got when way you least more. Expect it. You got way more time than me, girl. You're like, <laughs> you're youth. You're way yeah, you more. I'm not going to pressure her, but one one of these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully she'll listen to the pod and she'll get that very subtle hint, okay. you know. <laughs> or I'll reach out to her. And I'll be like, you know, your mom was thinking, you know, you guys could like rock this half marathon together. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> do the right thing, make your mom happy, maybe for Mother's Day or something like that. It's, oh, they it's, spoil me, and they are my family. They are my biggest cheerleaders, even with my crazy challenges that I've been doing. And they're always eager to hear the next one. What's next? What are you doing next? So they they really are my whole household. They're awesome. So they put up with a lot with me and my crazy challenges and my little quirks about I need to do this before I'm very routine. So. <laughs> So this watch band, does it bother you that it's like loose? Because most of my friends that are like that, they're like OCD. They're like, oh my God, talk oh, your no, watch band. And like I've got friends who's running closets. When I see them, I get sick. I'm like, I literally get sick. I'm like, how clean and neat is it? How? And they're like, just get, order all these shoe racks. I'll come over and do it for you. And I'm like, okay, well that my closet will be neat and the rest of the place will still be a train wreck. Like it's oh, not going to solve anything. Well, at least your closet will be good. I'm like, okay, you're right. Maybe yeah. I should start with the closet. It's not the worst idea but yeah it's funny because my running ocd friends and we we have a lot of running ocd people out there man who have to round off like moly and all these other people like you know or you know like your pace was 801 for the run you should have got it under eight or or you ran 13.6 miles why didn't you just do 14 i don't care but other people are like madhouse loony and they'll be like um ron why won't you tuck your watch band i'm like i'm not gonna tuck it in just because people keep telling me to tuck it in that's why because it's loose and I don't care. It doesn't bother me. But I that's our world, that's man. Like funny. everything we do like could trigger somebody else, yes. you know, like one way or the other. Uh. So um <laughs> you, you were saying they're always like encouraging you and super supportive, right? The family with your running and your adventures and all. So what um I want to know before we get into the 50K and we talk about that amazing race that you had, like during COVID, like what were you doing, you know, not only on your running side for yourself, but like, how was the family? How did you guys hold up? Like, what was your, what was your situation? I mean, I know COVID and the whole pandemic has been, you know, the whole world has put, taken a lot on with it. Um, but honestly, my husband and I talk about it. We actually didn't mind it because it brought our kids home. Um, our oldest is actually in Glasgow, Scotland. Um, she got married a couple of years ago. So my daughter and son-in-law are, are over in Glasgow because that's where he's from. Um, and she went to graduate school over there. Um, and that's where they live. Uh, so we haven't been able to see her, but we can FaceTime and, and we talk, you know, weekly with her. But it's hard not to have her, but it brought um, our twins home and our, our youngest. He's a junior in high school. So he's home. Um, but it was nice to have the girls home. And, um, I think it has brought us closer I and mean, we've been doing puzzles and watching master chef and we're into, you know, watching mini series on TV and just, I don't know, it's been great having them around more. It's just, it's going to be hard once things truly get back to normal to have them back. Cause our, Paige is going to be back in San Diego to fin finish her graduate program. Um, and Hannah is in Cincinnati, Ohio, which she still makes the drive home because her job allows her to work remotely 
um, every other week. So she tries to make it a point to come home for a week during each month. Um, but during COVID, they were they were all home. It was so nice. It was nice to have a house full, and it was fine. So you have four. Yes. Four. So you have twins, two girls, and you have a son who's in high school, and then you have another daughter who's in Scotland. Overseas. So there's yes. four. That's super. <laughs> yeah. That's super cool. Um, it's. I love hearing. Um, you know, because so much of the stress that was put upon all of us, and um, depending on the our job situation, what industry or market segment we work in, you know, entire business segments and uh, pieces of the economy were just wiped away, erased. Um, we never laid off an employee in 26 years in business. And we had to furlough some people at first. And then eventually we had to actually lay people off. And thankfully we came through the other side and we're starting to hire some of those really loyal employees back, but just all rough man, rough. And like, for me, it's me and my dog. For others, um, maybe one of the parents had to like stop working to be at home with young children because of homeschooling, even though maybe they were doing classes via Zoom. Maybe they had kids in pre-K. I mean, we know it's all over the highway, depending on the age of your kids. So I love hearing someone that had a positive experience from it because yes, it yeah. did bring the kids I home. I hate to say it, but yeah. it no, really was. Don't hate, I mean, you should, don't hate to say it. it. It's, it's wonderful. It's been, it's been nice. And I think it gave us all kind of a new perspective on life in general. Life is too short and, you know, make the most of it and enjoy it while you're together and, you know, take advantage of that time together. So I just think it's, it's been great. And the kids love being home and it's nice that they want to come back home and, they know that they can come back home. So, and it was, it was hard on us mentally. And I think it was good that we were there for each other to kind of like, okay, we're, we're okay. We're getting through this. And, um, we did, we're coming out on the other side and doing great. So, um, even though our daughter, Hannah, the one that lives in Cincinnati, she was struck pretty hard with the virus. So she was very ill. Um, Luckily, you know, she's, she's bounced back from the after effects of having COVID, but yeah, so we're all, we're all doing well. We're all vaccinated and <laughs> yep. That's good. That's good. I think depending on where your kids live and like you said, with one in Scotland, um, my son's in Vermont and it's probably the strictest state in the United States. It also has the lowest COVID numbers of any place for a reason. Um, the most vaccinated people, the lowest numbers, they're just incredibly strict. And um, I was only allowed to go there a handful of times through all of COVID. And um, he's now working. They've both graduated. Um, they both went to Middlebury College in Vermont, but they never met through three years of school. They didn't meet till they went to Oxford. So oh, how funny is, so I mean, cool. never met, not, not yeah. in the library, not, you know, well, not, not, not in one of the cafeterias, not oh, at, wow. not out at some party, you know, then they go across, <laughs> they go abroad to Oxford, they meet and, and, then um, meet. <laughs> and they've been, um, hanging out. So, uh, I, um, am happy just for him because, you know, he's in a great place. He's happy, but I miss the, miss him so much. It's like crazy. And although we zoom a lot and we FaceTime a lot. Um, it's still, it's different because he's like music director of two different churches. So he plays the organ, piano oh, awesome. in church, and he's, um, music director and choir director and end of life nursing home in Middlebury, Vermont, where the college is. So they, he gets singing groups and choir groups together to go sing to these people, which is wonderful. That's amazing. So he's doing yeah. a lot in the community, which is positive, but it's also almost all weekend based 
And then during the week, he's doing the music and planning all the stuff. I mean, he does a lot of Zoom uh, piano stuff. He's on Patreon. He has a Patreon page where he does concerts and stuff. So people will pay. It's, I mean, it'd be like five bucks a month or something crazy or 10 bucks a month. But you get all of his music contact, but then he can also, he'll also do lessons with people. So he's doing great, but he is like, I think he has less free time than I do. So like when he says, I'm going to come home, you know, everybody gets all excited, but then, you know, he literally is home for, you know, a day and a half or two days. And it's like a few hours with his mom, a few hours with me. And she's super close with me and my family. So we got divorced a long time ago, but it's nothing like that. It's just that we don't live in the same general neck of the woods anymore. And my mom and my brothers are about an hour away from where I live. So it's always a lot of moving pieces to coordinate. And I just look forward to, we're almost out of this thing at this point. We're as close as you can be to being out of it. And we're as close as we can be to races being real races again. And, you know, like it may have taken that this long to finally definitively say, hey, you're not going to get the virus being outside. That's the facts. You can believe whatever you want, but that's the science. I mean, could you? Yes, you could. But, you know, it's like literally less than a tenth of a percent. And in the original studies that were done, some of those studies were at like a construction site in, in China or Korea somewhere where they were considered there was outdoor transmission. They weren't, they weren't outdoors. They were like indoor buildings where construction workers were doing work together and they were passing the virus to each other. So when they, when they really level set it all and broke it all down, it's literally like less than a percent or a 10th, like something like a 10th of a percent of people have gotten or, or transferred the virus outside. So, you know, it's, it's fine that we did this hard stop and we couldn't race and couldn't run and couldn't hug because that's life. We all had to go through this kind of quote unquote reset. And you better believe I was going to get my vaccine. I've never had a flu shot in my life, by the way, not because I don't want to take a vaccine. I've just never gotten the flu and my immune system is great. I'm why am I've never done it in my thirties or forties. I'm not going to start doing it in my fifties and sixties. <laughs> I've never gotten the flu, but this is different. There's no way yeah. I wasn't going to get the vaccine. And yet other people are, you know, whatever, they're staunchly against it. But yeah. I think our numbers are so good right now. And we're going to start having, I know here in the New York City area, the stadium um, limits are going to go back to normal. Um, the governor of New Jersey um, passed here. the law for Friday that, you know, indoor, you don't even have to wear a mask indoors anymore as of Friday, not yet. And they, they still have some weird things like in my complex where there's pools, they still have some weird rules where maybe they can tell you you have to wear a mask at the pool, which to me is just mind boggling. Like, I mean, <laughs> come on, man. I mean... I don't understand. Like I get if you're in a hospital, I get that. Or if you're in a nursing home. And I also get being in a contained space of a plane or something like that. I mean, I understand that stuff, but I can't wait till we can just be like, cause I'm not, I'm not one of these people. I'm not going to get sick. I believe I'm not going to get sick and I'm not worried about it. So if I see you, I'm going to give you a hug. That's just the way I am. I'll be like, Hey, Brandy, <laughs> what's up? Like, I'm, uh, what's up, man? What do you got for me? Give me a hug. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh no. Like, hold on a minute. Like stay six feet away. And you know, I got people walking dogs outside my building on the waterfront facing New York city on the most beautiful 75, 80 degree day. And they're out there with not one, but two masks on. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what are you doing? I love all your gorgeous pictures of the moon and oh my gosh, the skyline. Amazing. Thank you, man. I just, that made my running during the pandemic, like for, and we know a lot of the same runners, um, you know, you know, Carlos Jose Soto talk, you know, in Guatemala, we know a lot of the same runners, my friend Robert in Poland, like, 
like when we were all going through these shutdowns and Italy was so hard hit and Spain was so hard and different parts of the country were just getting it. And my friends didn't understand what New York was like. And I work in healthcare and I'm like, you don't understand. They're rolling 18 wheel semis up to the hospitals and they're putting bodies in refrigerated trucks and they're going and burying them in park space right now. Like you don't understand what it's like here. And that's why I decided to run the 10 marathons in 10 weeks for the healthcare workers and raise money and deliver the meals because I couldn't sleep, Brandy. I literally, I would go to bed and just be like, my friends, and I work in healthcare, so I'm in the industry. So these are employees of mine or colleagues, business colleagues, friends, you know, doctors, nurses. I'm like, these people are like, they're exhausted. They're, they have PTSD. They're, like, they're, how can you sleep? Yeah. And I they know. couldn't, but you they feel? couldn't do anything, right? Exactly. Imagine. So you're a teacher, right? And you work with um, special ed kids, or I'm going to blow. I do. I do. Yes. Okay, good. Thank yes, God I, I got that right. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so imagine one day if everything you'd been taught that had worked from your curriculum that you used for years of learning, right? Every single thing that you knew that you worked, that you shared and applied with your kids, all of a sudden they looked at you like you were speaking Mandarin or Korean or Vietnamese, and they just didn't understand a word you said, you weren't making any impact, and the kids got frustrated. Like, that's basically what it was like. You take an oath, you go to medical school, you go to nursing school to help people, to treat people, and you can't do anything. And people are going on ventilators, and people are dying, and they can't see their own families, and... I mean, these people were straight up PTSD. I'm talking about the frontline people that were in it. And I was just like, I got to do something and I couldn't sleep. And that made me, that made me feel better. So for me, that was amazing. I followed your journey with, with that. It was amazing. Well, it was cool. But so you had your family home and that was cool. And you guys are doing the board games and you're getting some Netflix series. I think that's totally cool. I'm down with it. I wish (laughs) I could have been there. I love board games and I love jigsaw puzzles and I love crossword puzzles. So I'm like, I'm down for all of it, but it's just me and Coco over here. Princess Coco does not do (laughs) jigsaw puzzles. In fact, if I broke out a thousand piece puzzle, it would be over very quickly because her paws would be in it and it'd be just like, it would be a wreck in a hurry. So no, it it wasn't going to go down here. Um, so I had to go the other route. Um, but I'm thinking as your build up before you get to, we get to talking about this great race you had, did you just say, Hey man, I'm going to go all in and just really start cranking the miles. Like what led to like the impetus to say, I'm going to train and I'm going to go after something like, where did that, where did that start for you? I mean, I think it started, I would say, um, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it was, it was hard. And I think I had a little extra time on my hands since, uh, we were working remotely from home. So I had to log on with students. It was still long days, but I didn't have to be up as early in the morning to commute to work. And, um, so I think I just decided, um, one of the Facebook pages that I'm on, it was like a hundred day running challenge. So run for a hundred consecutive days. I'm like, Oh, I could try that. And of course, my family's like, oh, great, here we go. So um, it just started with the 100-day challenge. And before, actually before that, I, I, my mileage was probably just 40 miles a week, if that. And I would always take two days off. Mondays and Fridays were my like days off of running and doing anything. I don't cross train. I probably should, um, but I never have. Um, so I decided, Oh, let me try this hundred day running challenge. But I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to run a few miles a day because I didn't want my mileage up too too much. Cause I know what that can do to you. 
So I started the 100 Day Running Challenge. Um, and then on that Facebook page, they were doing these little side challenges of let's do 10 miles a day for 10 straight days. And I'm like, okay, why not? So I'm like, oh gosh, that's going to be 70 miles in, you know, 10 days. I don't know about that. So I'm like, oh, let me just take it easy and I'll I'll try it. So I did. And once I got to the like fourth 10 mile day, my husband's like, oh, okay, I think you're going to do it now. So there's no turning back. So I did, I completed that 10 by 10, we called it. So 10 miles for 10 straight days. Um, and then out there, people were doing the David Goggins challenge, the four by four by 48. And I'm like, huh, that sounds interesting, but boy, that's a lot of miles. So I'm like, I'm going to give it a try. So it was about a year ago. It was last May because I finished it on Mother's Day last year. Um, I did completed the four by four by 48 challenge and I'm like, okay. And I'm still, you know, con- continuing on with the 100 day challenge made it to the 100 days and like okay are you going to take a day off I'm like I don't think so I I might as well just keep going and just see how I feel because I was feeling great um again just running for enjoyment I think has done wonders for me and mentally has done wonders just it's a good stress release um so I did the four by four by 48 challenge and then that kind of led into I've always said that I'd love to try a 50K before I turn 50. And I'm like, oh, and this was in the winter. I'm thinking, okay, well, let me just search and see if there's anything close by. Because I wasn't sure if like racing was really returning live because a lot of things were still, you know, shut down. I'm like, I'll see if there's something in the spring. So just searching online, I found um, the Get Lucky 5050, which is in Canal Fulton, Ohio, which is about an hour from here, um, out toward Akron. So I was like, oh, well, let me just search and see what it says about the course. Cause I didn't want to do like a technical trail. I'm not like, I haven't really done trail running. So I'm like, oh, let me see. And it said it was on the towpath. So I'm like, oh, okay. I ran on the towpath, different parts of the towpath before. So it's primarily, you know, like a bike path and then some dirt trails. So I'm like, well, it didn't say too much about the course, except that it was level one, which I know is, is easy, not easy, but flat. So I'm like, okay, that might be a good time. I'm going to just sign up. And once I sign up, I'm going to do it. I'm not, there's no backing down. Um, so I did train, you know, through the winter, um, leading up to that, just gradually building up my mileage. And I kind of leveled out of 70 miles a week. Um, probably for, I'd have to look back at my training logs. I do keep a a log. I'd say for a couple of months, I was keeping it at 70 miles a week, which for me is unbelievable since I couldn't handle the mileage, you know, in my younger years. Um, but again, I gradually built up to that. I didn't just jump from the 40 to the 70. I would do 40, 45, then 50, then gradually work up to the 70. Um, so training through the winter, I only run outside. So I've been running outside throughout the whole, you know, winter, no matter ice, snow, hail, sleet, whatever it is, I'm out there, wind. And I seriously think Boston 2018 has kind of taught me to kind of deal with anything, deal with any weather, don't back down. Um, that kind of changed me and my whole attitude about running in any type of weather. Um, it doesn't phase me anymore. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just, I signed up for it and started training for it and thought, why not give it a try? 
And I don't think I did anything differently except like I didn't do speed work or hill workouts. Um, I just kept my mileage up. I thought, okay, if I can maintain, you know, 70 miles a week, I think that'll be good enough to get through a 50K. So I treated it like a marathon in a sense and didn't do anything different than I would do for a marathon. So you were running 70 miles a week consistently um, for a number of weeks. You built up to that, stabilized. You're treating it basically as a marathon, which is smart since it's only five miles more. Um, it isn't a huge difference between preparing for a marathon, particularly with there's no technical component to this race. You're going to be running on the towpath. It's basically a flat course. So it's a perfect opportunity for you to put your toe in the water and run a 50K. Now, did you do any like long runs with pace? Did you do a tempo run or anything at all just to like work on your fitness level? Because 70 mile weeks consistently will raise anybody's fitness level significantly just with that kind of consistently. Consistency will lead to good results. But I'm just wondering if you did any sort of long run with some pace miles in there or anything like that. I actually did. I did several, um, I would say five 20 milers. I did one 22 miler where the first half would just be at, you know, a relaxed pace. And then the second half of the run, like the last 10 miles, I'd, you know, be goal race pace, which at that time I didn't know what I was aiming for. I was saying, oh, somewhere around four hours I'd like to, that would be, you know, great. If not, my goal was just to finish, um, period. So I just figured if I'm treating it like a marathon, um, and like 740 pace ish, I thought, okay, I can, could handle that. So I did a lot of my long runs and that's where I, I usually, um, work with race pace isn't during my long runs. I don't do many like shorter, quick runs, um, but yeah, I do incorporate that into my long runs often. Good. I mean, it's it's a it's a formula that every great marathoner uses. There isn't a great marathoner in the world, men or women, at any age. Um, and I learned that when I first got in the sport in my early 30s, my mid 30s. Like, if I my friends would be like, "What are you What are you doing? You're gonna run like <laughs> six minute pace at the end of your long run." I'm like. I'm going to try to run 26 miles at six minute pace or 605 or 610 pace. Do you think it's going to be like an accident that I can do that for 26 miles? Like you got to practice what pace you want to run. And I was working with Greg McMillan. He was a grad student. He was faxing me workouts. That's how old I am. Fax wow. machines, baby. <laughs> look them up someday in the Smithsonian. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, so people want to run a marathon run a 50K, run any distance, and yet they've never once tried to prepare themselves for somewhere around the pace they're going to run. I mean, this is, you know, four hours of running, so it's a significant amount of time on your feet, but, you know, you were taking that proper step. Because if not, it's almost impossible to have any confidence. Even if you're feeling good, at some point you're going to be like, well, wait a minute, I got to run like 20 more miles? Should I slow down? Like, you just don't have anything to, you know, give you that relief that like, no, I worked on this. And particularly what I always try to tell people, and I don't coach anybody anymore, but I did for years. Um, for now, it's more like I might just give people advice or on workouts specifically. But the most important thing you can ever do preparing for a marathon is to do, lo is do long runs 
with pace miles in the back end of the workout. I mean, it's not, I don't care if it's 22, 20, 24, 18, 16, whatever your longest distance that you're going to get up to, you need to be running some section of those end miles and maybe even a good chunk of them at marathon pace. And sometimes I'll even do some half marathon pace miles in there as well. Like I'll go back and forth and then I do a recovery mile where I might ease off, but I'm a minute slower per mile than my marathon pace. So it's just such an important step. You're learning how to burn fat as fuel, but you're also learning how to get comfortable at that pace or as comfortable as you can get. Um, you're always, it's going to be always be a lot more comfortable running marathon pace or 50 K pace than it's going to be running 10 K pace or half marathon pace because it's like completely aerobic. Um, it's not anaerobic at all. And it should be something you're comfortable with. Now, being that you hadn't run a 50 K before, what thought did you put into fueling? Um, since although it's only five miles more, it's, I'm saying it's only five miles more. And I am the ultimate guy who's always <laughs> thinking of distance. I like distance. I like long runs. I like a lot of mileage. And that's the way I've always been. Some other people be like five more miles. They'd be the other way. Like, <laughs> oh my God, I don't know if I'll make it. So what thought did you, did you put into nutrition? Um, I, again, I just treated it like I would a marathon and thinking, oh, it's only five more miles that, okay, I'll, I'll pack an extra goo, like a gel. And I use the Morton gels, which I love because I don't drink a lot of water on the course. And luckily I don't train with water. So the course didn't have water, maybe two water tables. So I was like, okay, it's a good thing. I'm not depending on it. Cause I don't run with water. I don't like running with anything. Um, I don't run with my phone with water. I just pack my goo and my little shorts or tights and I, I head out. Uh, I have my watch. That's all I need. So uh, I don't, I run with as few items as possible. So for fuel, I do like to chew gum and I've kind of gotten used to that run gum. Run gum. I love it. I don't know. Um, so I, you know, have a couple of those throughout the, the course of a marathon. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll just have two during the course of the 50K. I don't think I need more of that. I just like to chew on something. Um, and then the gels I did every five miles-ish, uh, depending on how I felt. Um, but I think I, it turned out that I had one every five miles. So, and it worked fine. I, I didn't feel like I hit the wall. Um, I felt great. Uh, I think I could have gone farther and I'm like, crap, I should have signed up for the 50 miler, <laughs> but no, one step at a time. So I was, I was grateful to finish the 50 K and it was, it was a good feeling. So, and again, I didn't feel, you know, I, I think my legs could handle, could have handled more. Well, I appreciate you diving into that element, that component of it, because yeah, it's important for people to understand, like when they're going to try something new, like you have to put thought into this stuff. So if you know you don't want to carry water bottles, hand, and there are many types of handheld ones, there are kind that basically are like the plastic, it's not plastic, obviously, it's it's a better uh, for the environment, whatever the materials are, like BPA safe, whatever they call these things, but they can be stuffed into your vest, like when I ran the 60 so they can literally, when there's nothing in them, you can literally like squish them and like smush it in there the way you can a gel pack, um, you know, a disposable gel that you've eaten and you can throw them back in there. Um, so some of those vests are great. I'm not a fan of having to carry anything either. 
but I've learned that I have to carry like handheld water bottles. And when you run, let's say 50 miles versus 50 K, that is a huge difference. I mean, you're basically doubling marathon distance more or less. And you'll find this to be true, Brandy, because you haven't done it yet. Um, you know, running on a towpath, like that kind of race, it's probably was exactly 50 K or maybe, you know, a, a 10th or two more, three tenths more. If you run a 50 mile ultra, in the woods somewhere, you might run 55 or 57 miles or 53 or you don't, you really don't know. And frankly, no one cares. No one cares what your Garmin says or anybody else. You just got to get, you know, from point A to point Z. Um, but I think what's great is, you know, what works for you. And thing is what I try to preach to people all the time. The only way you're going to figure out works for you is to practice it when you're doing your long run. So if you like goo, okay, if you like using drink solutions and you're good with doing handheld bottles, because some of them are great, they got good grips on them, you don't carry a phone, other people do for safety. Particularly women have to worry so much more about safety running on a trail. They've got to worry in a whole different level than any man will ever have to worry about their own safety of just somebody coming out, God forbid, getting attacked. But even me, I'm, I'm 60, man. Like if I'm out on one of these crazy long bike rides and God forbid I crash, like if I don't have a phone to like call 911, if I'm even conscious, I mean, it just, you know, and again, these are just like talking, not only you and I are talking in the conversation, but for anybody who listens, these are just like safety things, things to think about. So one of the, the great things you talked about is that's why I was always a big fan of Morton is you don't need anything. You don't need water to take their gels. <laughs> I love it. You don't need yeah. it. And um, I have a code for all my podcast listeners. I got to start putting some of this stuff on my main page. Maybe just do a post with like all my codes. It's like Ron runs on Morton. It's like 15% off at the feed. Um, and anybody can use it. You know, anybody who listens to the show, any running friend of mine, yeah, anybody I can use it. Feed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the feed is great. So, but if you don't like the gels and you like the packet mix, the same 15% off you can get on that. And I'm working with them to give me a code for everything because some of my friends are really into goo or, you know, they're, they like uh, none tablets or, you know, everybody likes oh, their own. Those. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I actually really like none. Like when I go on my bike rides, I just like the fact that with none, as long as I have access to a water fountain somewhere that I can just take extra tablets with me. And if I decide to extend a ride from 30 to 40 or 50, or maybe even just keep going, you know, I would have to either stop at a store to go to get Gatorade or Morton or something else. Like with none, I don't need to worry about it. I just need to take those tablets and stuff them somewhere in a little plastic bag. And, you know, I can just keep refilling my bottles as they go along. I do hydrate on none throughout the day. So that's my go-to like all morning and afternoon. So yeah, I love none. <laughs> good, good. So, so now we know the course was flat, a good surface. You have no experience at all. You come into the race with like, other than just building up and getting strong as fuck. I mean, that's the best <laughs> word I can use because you, you put together, you know, eight, 10 weeks of 70 miles a week. I don't care what pace you ran. I don't care if you never ran faster than 830 pace on most of those runs, you are going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Your aerobic cat capacity continues to improve your capillary development goes up every single thing in the human body that can take place to a runner's body is going in the right direction as long as you're not killing yourself and you're yeah. not injured which you know you've had I've been feeling great you're, you've been feeling great so you're getting stronger is what's happening and you're becoming a, an aerobic monster greg mcmillan term you're getting stronger so race day did you have a plan of like 
what your pace was going to be? Did you just say, hey, man, I'm going to treat this like a marathon. I know what marathon pace kind of feels like. I'm just going to go out and run and get into a comfortable rhythm, and I'm just going to run, and I'm not going to worry about it. Like, what was your, what was your plan for race day? Um, for race day, and they started in like little waves um, for social distancing. And my friend Beth, she ran the 25K, and it started in an area in like historic, like Canal Fulton, like in the middle and we went out and back in one direction, and the middle part was the end of the 25K. So then the 50K runners went out and back in an opposite direction and then finished at that middle part. So we're like at the middle part, getting ready to start. And my friend Beth's like, oh, what pace are you going to run? I'm like, I don't know. Just I'm just so excited to do a live race. It, it doesn't matter. I said, probably I'm going to aim for like seven. 45, 740. I don't know. I just want to have fun. So she's like, okay, I'll see you. So I, you know, went kind of in mingling and toward the front of the starting line. Um, and she kind of went back her way and starting off the first few miles, just kind of getting relaxed. It was pretty cold that morning. So I had gloves on and like a little headband and, um, long tights. So I was like, Oh, it, it was pretty chilly. I think like in the thirties, maybe going to get up to the forties. Um, perfect weather. Oh, uh, it was beautiful. So it was still a little dark in the morning. So my hands were numb by, you know, the start. So it was kind of hard. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to feel to open my gels. gels. So I'm like, Oh, so I try like ahead of time to kind of get them already started. Smart. Um, Pro tip for the race starts. Yeah. So I like to have it in hand before, you know, I take it like about a mile before I take the goo. So I had one in hand and of course I dropped one because my hands were numb. So I'm like, okay, I always pack an extra goo though in a pocket. So I'm like, okay, I feel fine about that. So just starting off like the first four miles, I just felt like a relaxed, easy pace, you know, with groups of people and kind of catching up to groups who started about like before me. Um, then it was kind of hard to see because we were so spaced out, like on the towpath that I didn't see anyone ahead of me. I'm like, okay, then you turn a couple of corners and you can see people. So I just like to play the mental game of going fishing and kind of reel them in. Um, so I kind of played that game the first half, um, until we got to the 25 K mark. And when I hit that 25 K mark, I think I was like just under the two hours, I believe. I, I didn't really look at my watch, but I think I pretty much even split the course. Um, so, uh, heading out into the opposite direction, I, I again felt good and felt like I was in a groove, just like I was on one of my long runs. So I'm used to running solo. I run by myself almost every day. Um, so I just kind of, you know, went with the pace that felt comfortable to me. I didn't really look at my watch except to see what mileage I was at. So I wasn't really looking at what pace I was running. I just wanted to go out and enjoy it. And then coming in, um, when I saw my marathon split time, I was like, oh my goodness, that's close to my marathon PR. It was like three, right below 318. So it was like 317.50. I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was going, you know, at that pace. So I said, I think I could hold this for like five more miles. We're, this is the home stretch. So in my mind, I just kept thinking, it's just five miles. I could do five miles on any given day. So again, I just, I felt great going into the last five miles and just kept whatever pace felt comfortable to me and 
finish strong. Actually going through the finish line, I looked at my watch because I didn't hear it like beep for the 31st mile. So I ran through the finish line realizing I wasn't at 31.1 yet and I wanted to get to 31.1. So the people at the finish line, they're like, wait, no, stop. And my friend Beth was there and she's like, no, she's going to run until she's at her 50K. (laughs) So there's where my (laughs) craziness comes in. But I wasn't going to run that whole way and not hit the 50K mark. So I made sure my watch showed the 31.1 before I stopped. So I had to kind of loop around and then back to the finish area. Runners, runners are nuts. I feel you. I feel you. Not That's only a long have, way to go and not hit that. Yeah. yeah. Not only have I done it, God knows how many people listening to the show have done <laughs> it. So we're just, we're just not like most people at all. And we never will be. So it's yeah. like, I'm in a hundred mile race and it says I'm 98.7. <laughs> I got to keep going. I'm not done go. yet. You know? And it's like, so. just because our GPS doesn't get the right number, you know, like we're running. And this is not like a big city race like New York or Chicago, where the buildings might be screwing you up. So I feel you. But um, I remember seeing your splits on Strava. And I just remember, I, I want you, if you remember, and I don't know that you will, your last five miles were, were 100% faster. If not your fastest five miles, they were way faster. They were crazy fast. No way did you slow up at all, not even close. Because I thought you were running like 720 or 718, or maybe there was a couple of miles like that late. Unless I'm just imagining it. And I don't think I am. There were some toward the middle. I think toward the end, it was more like 7.30, maybe a 7.40 sprinkled in there. But yeah. I, I don't think I fell off pace like consistent. I felt like I stayed consistent throughout and looking at, you know, the graph, the pace graph, they were pretty, pretty even throughout the, the race. There were a couple that were a tad faster, but I never went below 7.40 pace, I believe. Okay. It's probably my slowest, like late in the race. But again, for 50, 50K, I thought, I, I don't know. I felt very good about that and was happy. You sh- feel good, girl. You won the women's race. <laughs> it was your first 50K and you were in 355, which what is that average per mile? What is that pace average per mile for 50K? Uh, I believe it was 737 737 which is like serious beast mode and <laughs> where you. does it rank in the where does it rank in the u.s rankings because i know there's like a 50k um there's all these distances are ranked for in the u.s year, yeah yeah for this year it was fourth it was first for a while but then <laughs> you know races started opening so it was fourth and i believe today it's sixth. well we know that De- we know des took you down and does hers actually, I don't know if she's on that ranking because it wasn't like yeah, an organized race. I, I, I think agree. These are from or- and yeah. she had a pacer. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking it's not going to count. I'm thinking it's not going to count, but I was just having some fun with you because, you know, I know. hopefully I we, we can tag Des in the episode. Maybe she'll like chime oh, in and give you some awesome. love. So, I mean, who doesn't, doesn't want to get love from Des? It's like, it's like such... It, an amazing race, three fifty-five, thirty-three. Oh, female you. winner, third overall, fourth in the nation. I mean, that's just amazing stuff. So, um, thank I you. Think, it was fun. I think that ultra is going to be your thing. 
That's what I think. And I think marathon can be too, um, because, you know, I saw some of your other times. Um, we were very close together. You were a little behind me in New York in 2019. Um, you ran 318 or 317. I ran, I ran 317, but that was the year that I did all six. I ran oh, three, I right. ran, I ran 308 in New York the year before 308 low. I just missed breaking through. I just missed a 307 in New York, which that year I did four or five. Um, so our times in the marathon are close. I ran 313 in Boston. I think you ran 316 or 317 in Boston. That's my yeah, PR. So, so yeah. I see, I see big things for you, girl. Big oh, things are coming. You. And I but would what, love to do another 50K, but I'm afraid to sign up for one right now. I just want to get through the fall marathon. Well, hold on a minute. I got my J, <laughs> JFK 50 I mile know. buff. And you know that I've had like four people from the JFK 50 mile that have run that race have been on the show. Number two, the race director is going to come on my show. So I need to get you in that field. I need you to get you. I would you. love to. It's the perfect. Give me, it's yeah, the give perfect, me another year. It's the perfect race for you. I'm telling you because the single track, it's not difficult. It could be difficult because like anything can happen. Like with me, this year happened to be a lot of leaves, the time of the year, and the leaves can be covering rocks as you know, and it's single track. So I just, you could be running along smooth sailing and then you hit a leave or something and slip and then you're going to fall down. But it is not crazy hilly on the AT. It's hilly. The steepest part is this stupid road that we run up from the bottom of town that feeds you onto the actual trail itself. Then the trail, of course, is rolling and it's got some uphills, but it's single track. The last thing you're going to be thinking about is like trying to bomb it on there. You just want to make sure you don't fall and like smash your knee or break an ankle and you get off of there. And then when you get onto that towpath, it's the same kind of towpath. They call it the CNO canal. It's the same. It's crushed gravel. It's on the Potomac. The river's there. There's people in the park cheering. And this was in a COVID year. People were cheering. The aid station people are amazing. So you run 26.4 miles on the flat CNO canal. And then you exit there. And the last, I think it's 8.3 or 8.5 are on rolling roads. But honestly, after you've been on the gravel that long, you're going to kind of, you're kind of like getting on the road again. It's like, okay, you know, you're going up and down and you know, you're seeing people and I think it'd be a great place for you to debut for a 50 mile. So oh, I'll, I would love that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll keep putting the heat on you. I'll see if we can get you in there. Cause it's a, it's a really competitive field. I think you could do really well. I'm sure oh, you would be you. way at the top age group wise. I think, you know, cause you wouldn't have to change your training very much at all. It's not, if you can run a 50 K that strong and hold together, you already have the fueling piece down. You're just going to, you'd be taking more gels. And what you have in an ultra is you have these amazing aid stations where they have, when I say they have everything, they have everything. You want Coca-Cola because you just need a little jolt of caffeine. There's Coca-Cola. You want, you know, it may even be none. I can't remember if it was Gatorade, none, whatever, but there'll be that. They'll have salt tablets, Brandy. They have everything. They have gummy bears, Swedish fish. They have pretzels, potato chips, because it's an ultra. You need salt. And people need a sugar boost. So, you know, if you're getting later into the race and you're not feeling like, okay, I'm getting a little wobbly, hey, you know, you just stop, you take a pause and you're like, okay, let me get some salt in, you know, let me get, you know, take an extra gel, have some soda, whatever. So I think that's, <laughs> that's a good plan for you in the fall. And it's so after- That'll be on the, my radar. <laughs> so what's your schedule? What do you have after this crazy, awesome 50K? Like, what do you have lined up? What's, what's coming up next? Well- 
I'm continuing my run streak. Today was day 408. Cool. Um, but starting in June, I will start my training for the London. Um, so we'll head over to London for the age group championships and then Boston a week later. So that's, that's what I have lined up for the fall. This is epic. So we get to talk world age group champs quick yeah. though, because we, we've already yeah. rolled up for like an hour and 50 here, but, but no, don't be sorry, man. This, this is, is great. A great chat. But, um, so we both had the huge honor of qualifying for the world age group championships in London, which and is just going to be, it. it's going to be awesome, man. We're going to get like a backpack with world age oh, group so champs excited. and we're going to get some swag and we're going to be all like into it. And I think it's just great because, you know, obviously you're in a healthy state right now and I'm getting back to running very soon, hopefully, and I'll, I'll be okay. And like, I don't need much to get myself jacked up anyway, but the thought of competing with the best 40 runners in the world in my age group and however many are in your age group, like if that, what could, what do you need more to fire you up than that? I mean, come on and Boston, don't worry about it. Look, I ran all six in the one year, okay? And if you can run 70 miles a week for that many weeks, and you did, okay? And we're running almost the same times. I averaged 315 for all six of those races. I mean, wow. I was one minute apart. I mean, some of them were 30 seconds apart. My slowest one was 317.02, and my average was like 315 something. My fastest was 313 something. So I didn't have any races that were off. They were all like, you know, 317 in Tokyo, because I had hypothermia. And then New York was also like 317.02. But these were like 02 and like 05. You know, the other ones are all like 315, 316, 313. Um, and, you know, what a what a cool thing. But I think you could shock yourself, you know, coming and running Boston. You would think, don't, don't think you can't run a good race. That's eight days later. It's, you know, we, you get the extra day. Sure, you're going to fly. And um, I'm supposed to do Tokyo also because it oh, was canceled boy. the year before. That's right. But I don't okay. think Tokyo is going to happen. I really do not. Um, the State Department is telling people not to fly there. They don't even want to put on the Olympics. The people who live there, they don't want. They don't want the Olympics to happen. Um, and that's the people that live in Japan. So that's their right, their prerogative. If they don't feel safe and they don't want all these people going there, to me. I would actually be happy, unlike that year in 2019 when I got to do them all. If they just told me Tokyo was canceled, I'd actually be happier because then I could put all my focus on London and then who cares what happens in Boston? As long as I'm healthy and I didn't That's exactly not injured, just run it. Boston yep. and party and high five all my friends. And then I'll get a couple of weeks to regroup for New York. So I'll be like all good. And then we're, I'm going to con you into JFK. So then we'll, um, <laughs> I'll see you in JFK what too. What month is JFK? It's uh, November. Um, okay. it's, I think the third week of November, but I should know that date. My JFK people are going to like, they're going to blast me. It's going to well, be a I'll direct that, blast. I'll put that on my back burner. Put it on the back burner. I yep. will. <laughs> I'll get, I'll get you registered. I'll hook you up. Oh, I know people there. I'll hook you up. I'll be like, listen, I need her registered. She won a 50 K. <laughs> I want her in the elite field. Give her an elite bid. They'll take care of you. Seriously. They will. They're, um, uh -huh. they're amazing people. Super it stuff. Sounds great. So you got to cool schedule coming up and we covered all kinds of super fun stuff. Is there anything we didn't get to? Um, anything you wanted to talk about or anything oh, we talked quick. about earlier? Yeah. yeah. So another challenge that I've been doing um, is running every street in the town I live in, Westlake, and there are 437 streets according to City Strides. It's an app. Um, so this morning I, I finished a group of streets which leave me with only four streets to run 
in Westlake. So I'm 99% done um, and had to run 15 miles to get out to the streets to complete some of these in a, in an area. So that's my next goal is to finish off Westlake. So four more to go. Cool. I love it. I love it. So you got so big, it's been fun. You got big things going on yeah. and you know, healthy, kind of keep it fun. Healthy is important. The attitude about keeping it fun and not putting pressure on yourself is equally as important because it's leading you to have this kind of success. And I think you're going to do great in London. Thank you. Boston, who knows? I mean, you know, you might come back and just shock the hell out of yourself because I've run, I did Boston and London six days apart the year of the perfect storm. So, and then London was 80 degrees. I had a runner die, a healthy runner, a fit runner died from like heat stroke, exhaustion, whatever. And he was treated immediately. I mean, they got to him immediately when he fell down. So obviously when it's your time or something sad like that happens, like with the runner, 21 runners in China running that ultra, uh. when it's your time, it's your time. Um, if that's, if that's how I go out, if it's running, I'd, uh, you know, not that we get to pick how we go out. I, I know, you know, <laughs> it's good. So, Aww. um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to the fall and hopefully I'll see you in London. Oh, absolutely, man. We're going to, we're going to make plans. I'm going to have my pod gear over there. Well, I'll probably just bring, I may literally try to figure out some way to get as many world age group qualifiers as I know, even if it's just to come on and just be like, Hey man, how are you? Where yeah. are you staying? Oh, you, you know, need Carol, Carol Sexton. I know Carol. Awesome. Well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Carol's she's one, amazing. Carol's one of my people, man. I love Carol. She's great. I actually have her, I have her in New York city times. I have the New York times on top of Ronnie's piano over there with her time. Aww, I saved it awesome. for her. So I'm just going to deliver it to her in person in London rather than yes. sending it to her in Seattle. So yeah, Carol's like way at the top of her age group. Oh, She's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've, she, I've got to get her on the show. I've asked her to come on, get but yes, you know, get we'll get her on. We'll get her <laughs> on. So, uh, anyway, it's been such a blast chatting with oh, you, Brandy. Thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate all the great stories you shared. Definitely will inspire lots of people, the great stuff you're doing with your I running so. and everything. So really appreciate it. So we always sign off telling everybody to keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow. I just love Brandy's story and getting to know her better during our run chat. Any runner that tried to run competitively in high school or division one at the highest level in college, a lot of times they, they feel like they have unfinished business. Maybe they didn't hit their true potential. And particularly in like somebody like Brandy's case where she's raised four children, you always have those unfinished questions or thoughts in your head. Did you ever get the most out of yourself? Even if you're not a professional runner. So hearing Brandy's story and how her grandfather, her papa, convinced her to get back out there and where it's led her to, it's just super inspiring stuff. And it just made me feel great to see the tremendous progress that she's making. And who knows, maybe her best running is ahead of her at the ultra distance at 50K, 50 miles or even further. Uh, and I certainly see her 317 marathon going down further. And if the London Marathon World Age Group Championships take place, I'm gonna predict it right here that she's gonna smash that 317 PR. So great job, Brandy. Keep doing all the great stuff you're doing as a special ed teacher in the community with your family and as another badass mom to grace us with your story on the show. 
I hope you all enjoy this convo. Thank you all so much. The reviews have been stellar of late. Let's keep that flowing. We're going to start trying to do more Run Chats giveaway, more Run Chats swag, hoodies, coffee mugs, t-shirts, who knows, maybe even some racing singlets in the future. So keep on sharing our podcasts, inspiring stories like Brandy, put them out there on stories, share them on Facebook, and let's help other people find our channel and find our show. Until the next time, my friends, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends. Peace out.